Today's sponsor is Audible.com, who has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. Does this mean that I have to watch Volume 1 in advance? It certainly means you have to get ready for Volume 3. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hi. Good evening. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly, cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, and then jump back into other fun movie topics. This is episode 282, 282. I thought we were closer to 290. I, I honestly did, but we, we've had a lot of specials lately in the past couple of weeks. It's not like we can both look at our podcast and see what episode number we're on, so yeah. I'm no, sure. I, I know, I know. It's just, it feels, because we've been putting out content, so it feels like we're getting closer to 290 already. But no, we got a palindrome instead. Yeah. And the miracle <laughs> palindrome. Too. They come along ever so often. And it fits for this number two specifically, because we're talking Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. The sequel to what I assume is the retcon title, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. I, that's correct. Retcon is correct. Yes. Or Live Die Galaxy Volume 1, as they're also calling it, I think. Die <laughs> Galaxy. Yeah. But uh, joining us to discuss Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, we have from Slash Film, he'll jack up the price once he becomes a two-time Galaxy Saver. It's Bradford Omen. Hey, that's me. And from the HHWLOD Podcast Network, which includes such shows as the Marvel-themed It's All Connected, he still follows the Ravager code. It's Russell Latham. Hello. Now, is the Ravager Code something that like you can't tell us about, but we're we're gonna see it uh, played out everywhere? It seems like the yeah, Ravagers man, a, are pretty open. It's a code. With their code. <laughs> it's their code. Like like Stallone's yelling it all across. Thing is like everyone seems to know what the Ravager Code <laughs> is at this point. Right. Yeah. <laughs> how are the, how are the two of you doing today? Pretty good. I'm also good doing pretty well. Yeah. It's it's later in the Central Time Zone. It is. It's this so, this is the latest I've ever recorded so, a podcast and this podcast. Well, there you go. Whoa. Glad to go with the firsts here. For, yeah, first time for everything. Russ, I think the last time you were on might have been X-Men Apocalypse. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Was it Apocalypse or Days of Future Past? What, were you on Apocalypse? Now I have to think about that. Uh, I know you're on mm. Days of Future Past for sure. Yeah, I don't think I was on Apocalypse. Mm. That was a while ago then. Yeah. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. And Brad, I think you were on, on Rogue One. I think that might have been the last time you were on. Yes, I think that's right. Yeah, well, right. It's been a while, too. It's been a while. All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get back to all this. First up, let's get to some show notes stuff real quick. Um, let's see. Here, This thing happened. We did our um, – and Brad, you're familiar with this. You guys do this on the – or they do it on, uh, on Slash. We had, we had our sixth annual summer movie gamble uh, this past week uh, where we predicted the, uh, what we think are going to be the highest grossing films of the, of the box office – there's a fun game that's online that you can kind of go go that goes around that has an elaborate point system, what have you. And yes, we've done this with ten, Abe and I and ten other regular uh, out now guests. So we have a, a massive competition going, lots of possibilities of who's to turn out on top. Um, I got we didn't have everybody submitted theirs. Um, not everyone submitted by the time we recorded that one, but th- at this point, everyone has them in. Everyone's on time for once, too, so there's going to be no penalties. They're like Ja Rule, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always <laughs> on time. 
<laughs> no penalties. But yeah, that was a fun episode to record. It's a good summer preview too, as far as us talking was, about yeah. the, you know, the summer movies coming out and what to expect. Um, so yeah, that's that's a fun one to listen to. So find that now. Uh, speaking of upcoming bonuses, uh, new commentary track. We do a commentary every month. And it is a new month. It is the month of May now. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to another commentary track coming soon. We'll figure out what to talk, but there's, uh, there's plenty of options. Grease 2. Grease 2. Not doing Grease 2. Plenty of options. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else? This is 282, which means episode 300 is coming up. It seems like it was coming up a lot sooner, clearly, in my mind. But, well, you know, we have more we're, time. We're, still, we're getting there. Yeah. So We're building those railroad tracks. Once again, our, our mental note to ourselves that we need to plan something <laughs> for episode 300. And... Um, you should record the podcast with your shirts off. That could be a great idea. Because Abe doesn't do that already? This is getting weird. Yeah. Let's move on. iTunes reviews and ratings. It's good to get those. Helps out the show. Helps other people find the show. If you want to log on to iTunes, search for Out Now, Theron and Abe. Give us a star rating. That'd be great. If you want to go to uh, some kind of written review of some kind, that'd be great, too. Yeah, thank you very much in advance. Hey, okay. So let's uh, let's stop things for a second, guys, because I have to uh, send a, a special message out. Um while it, uh, it, it's actually my birthday tomorrow, I'm actually going to send my own birthday wish out to Anna, my lovely girlfriend, who celebrates her birthday this coming Friday. And, uh, yeah, I just want to say happy birthday, babe, because uh, I love you, and I'm so happy that you're one of our great listeners. And uh, last thing before I move on, we every week we mention the Tumblr page, outnotpodcast.tumblr.com. <laughs> um Almost as a joke, even though we do our episodes all go to that. So you know, if there's a if for some reason Tumblr is your means of getting podcasts, you can find it. Um, but checking the Tumblr page, we actually we actually had we got a, a submission. Yeah, we actually had a submission. Someone actually responded to our uh, the fact that we have a Tumblr page and uh, and asked if we were ever going to talk about the American Assassin trailer. And this is an upcoming film um, with Michael Keaton and Dylan O'Brien. Yeah. Um, it's off of like a, a hit book series. Yeah, or we want to talk about, you know, give some brief thoughts on the trailer. Um, but, some, Abe, what are, what are your thoughts on, like, the trailer for this movie? Uh, I mean, everything everything seems like a, sort of like a cliche, but I'm okay with it because I, I like Dylan O'Brien and I like Michael Keaton. But um, it's kind of weird because Dylan O'Brien's supposed to play, like, this super, like, rough, savage, uh, menacing, I guess, guy with terrible things that happened in his life turned into superstar spy and... Dylan O'Brien's like my size, so I can I can't really uh, it doesn't really come across that well. I mean, it looks like he's been working out a little bit, but you know, just in terms of the the Jason Bourne aesthetic or whatever other aesthetic that we're looking at, he he looks a little slim. So I'm excited that these guys are getting work, but at the same time, uh, we'll see how it goes. I think it looks fine. I mean, I'm not terribly excited, but at the same time, like you just mentioned, I mean, Dylan O'Brien is he's someone that we've seen in movies that we've generally enjoyed to some degree. Um, and Mike, you know, Michael Keaton doing stuff is in general intriguing. Um, this looks a little, you know, what forgettable, but at the same time, we'll see what happens. Exactly. So yeah, that's uh, that's that, that was our first Tumblr request. So yeah. thanks. <laughs> let's move on now. Let's get to uh, let's get to know everybody. Where each week we ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone with the podcast. or better get to know, know everybody. everybody. And Abe, why don't you start this one off? Sure. I've got a question for you guys. If you guys could have an animal that could be your kind of like your your partner in crime, either it could be genetically engineered or something that uh, helps you out. What kind of animal would you choose? I'm gonna go with an anthropomorphized version of my cat. Your cat. All right, I like that. His name is Gozer, and he's awesome. Same size or larger? Um, I would maybe a little bit larger. I would say like like right around the size of a rocket raccoon. Okay. I mean, I guess a. Uh... 
an armadillo. Because uh, it, you know, it can already roll into a ball and do some stuff, but then if it has like a, you know, if it's even even further enhancements, getting get it to get up and walk around, uh, you know, that could go well. I like that as like, you know, he, he could be your bulletproof shield as you're running through uh, Cyberdyne systems. Oh, there you go. I like that. <laughs> my dog, my dog Chewy. I think the, I think he'd make a That's good. That's a great uh, name. Yeah. 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 He's he's you know two tone brown. I th- yeah, he'd make a good sidekick. There you go. I got a question. All right. You're about to face off against a giant monster. What song do you play? Uh, Queen, Don't Stop Me Now. I like that. <laughs> right off the bat, too. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always thinking about Shot of the Dead. <laughs> I'm a, I'll just I'll throw a curveball, um, and I'll I'll say Spice Girls Wannabe. <laughs> I can see that playing out. Just because I feel like it, it'll confuse who, the, the person I'm fighting. Or the monster. I'd probably throw some Pixie song in there. There you go. While my guitar gently weeps by the Beatles. Oh, there you go. There you go. All right, well, that's how you play. Nobody. Nobody. All right, let's move on to some out-now quickies. Yep. Each week and out-now, we will move to the talk about Yep, that was a little blurred, but I'll accept it. Okay, thank you. Yeah. I was doing a lot of jumps. That was the problem. <laughs> uh, Abe, have you seen any other movies this week? I did. Uh, I I went on this uh, Russell Kurt Russell tear, and I actually started watching. Um, I was watching The Hateful Eight, but then I also had never seen Escape from New York, so I watched Escape from New York what? for the first time ever. Oh wow! Yeah. No, it, it's weird because he was he was on a Bill Simmons podcast and talking about his moviography. And how Escape from New York isn't really an action movie. It's actually more of like this, like Snake Plissken isn't like this action star. He's like this guy who has like this weird convoluted backstory. And I was like, you know, I've never seen that. So let's give it a go. And yeah, Kurt Russell's right. I mean, you know, that guy doesn't really do any action stuff. You can tell that there's clearly some imprints of him about war and whatever else. But uh, yeah, he's, a, he's a complex character. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it for what it is. But it's definitely a John Carpenter movie. And at some points the sound cuts out. So I actually thought that my, my uh, speakers were, <laughs> were malfunctioning, but that's just because the editing of it from way back when was, uh, was that way. Which is how he constructs his movies. And yeah. Whatnot. That too. I have, I'm, I'm a fan. I mean, I bought, they did the remastered Blu-ray recently, which is awesome. Yeah. Cause it had it, the, the behind the scenes stuff. And I even have my, uh, glow in the dark Mondo escape from New York, uh, Poster framed up in in Love my Mondo posters in my room. Well, it's friend of the show. Jim Deeds is like favorite movie ever. So it's like, yeah, ever. yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've probably got like almost twenty Mondo prints. That's pretty cool. I have yeah, I have this crazy Mondo obsession. Well, Russ, <laughs> I can attest to it. Russ, what have you seen lately? Uh, I haven't seen anything in the theater, but what I did, I did watch uh, on Hulu was a documentary I've been waiting for uh, called um, Batman and Bill. Oh, yeah. I've heard about and that. It, yeah, it's a documentary about uh, this author's quest to get Bill Finger credit uh, list, listed as, cre- as co-creator for Batman. And uh, if, you know, for all of us that have seen Batman versus Superman, Donna Justice, it said Batman created by Bob Kane with uh, Bill Finger. So that was like the first time that he his name actually appeared as as co-creator uh, in anything on screen. So it was, it was pretty cool. It was a little slow in the beginning, but, uh, but it had a nice, nice finish. It was, it was really interesting. Um, 
you know, you, you would think, oh, just, you know, whatever. It's just about this guy that um, that that didn't get credit. And the interesting thing was Finger died in 74 and it, it was just this crazy quest to find like somebody that might be able to to push this forward. And, you know, how they ended up finding I won't I won't give it away, but any how, how they ended up finding an heir to to move this forward was a really interesting and compelling story. So uh, I, I recommend it. It was really, it was really good. Cool. Where, where'd you see that? It's on Hulu. All right. Yeah, it's, a, it's an actual Hulu uh, documentary. They, they paid to have it done. So. Oh, Hulu Studios. Huh? OK. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Brad, what have you seen lately? I haven't seen anything else besides the topic of conversation that we'll get to later um at least not in theaters but i did recently just get around to watching uh david brent life on the road oh okay um which if you don't know it's the like the the movie spin-off of the office the original british office with ricky gervais that came out just last year Mm -hmm. Uh, um and uh i enjoyed it for the most part i i was hoping it would be Funnier because I, I really like the original British Office. I actually just recently rewatched um, extras over the past week while I've been working. Like I just threw it on in the background because I hadn't watched it in a while. Um, and it's it's amusing, but it feels like it's. Uh, I think I would have liked it more if I hadn't seen Pop Star first because it's Pop Star. <laughs> Pop Star does does what he's trying to do infinitely better. Um, and as much as I love how much of a clueless pratt uh david brent is it just didn't feel as uh good as it was you know when he was on the office mm. yeah i i talked about this um when it around when it came out a few months ago and i i agree i i thought it was fine but it just it doesn't yeah it doesn't quite have the same the same impact as far as both you know humor and emotion that come come with it and i'm not sure if it's a you know the lack of stephen merchant maybe made that makes that a factor maybe he's like very like you know kind of bouncing off of you know his, his buddy and his you know his friend and co-writer right? since they both yeah, kind I of feel like, i feel like he needed a little more diversity like because as much as i love ricky gervais he it, he works best when he's bouncing off other people who are who can be just as funny as he can but in a different way um and the character of David Brent is not one that you want to spend a lot of time with by himself. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's definitely uh, part of it. Mm. Well, yeah, that's uh, David Brent Life on the Road. That's on Netflix. So uh, anyone that wants to check that out for themselves, they can. Uh, that's it. I am a huge fan of the, the British Office, by the way. It's like one of my favorite shows in general. So it's it it was intriguing to see you know a continuation of that character. But yeah, just the. It's, it's it's okay to uh, move on to what I've seen. I saw The Wall this week. This is the new Doug Liman film with uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson and John Cena, um, and uh, I quite liked it. Um, it it works as is that kind of, limited release or is that uh, it, it, it arrives? It's it'll probably be it'll be limited. It'll be like limited release. It starts next week, um, and it uh, yeah, it's it it plays as this kind of it's so it's it's basically a it's a it's a thriller it has having uh johnson and cena as two snipers in iraq in in a yeah in a, iraq, is it iraq or afghanistan i think it's iraq um in like 2007 um af, you know after bush declared victory and you know everyone started leaving and they get pinned the snipers get pinned down for various reasons and it becomes up to darren tiger johnson to kind of sit behind this wall and figure things out as they the sniper in question taunts them um and it 
works is basically like it's like a B movie thriller, um, in the guise of a war movie, and it's a good display of what Johnson's capable of doing, leading a film. Some work from John Cena that I think is pretty good, and just Doug Liman taking basically a break from doing much bigger films. And no, but I thought it was quite effective. I thought, I thought it worked for what it was doing. So yeah, I I enjoyed the wall. Good to know. Yes. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Doug Liman, by the way, <laughs> yes. I, we're both fans, and I think all of us are probably fans of Edge of Tomorrow. AKA yeah. Live Die Repeat. And yeah. so apparently they're moving forward with the sequel, which now has a title, which is called Live Die Repeat and Repeat. Uh, at okay. first I thought that this was a joke and I wasn't sure what to make of it. Now I'm still kind of hoping that Doug Lyman is is kind of just messing with this, because that's not a great title. <laughs> I I hope that's just a <laughs> Kind of. I, th- I I I'm kind of just hoping that you know somebody asked him about it and in an interview he just threw that out there. Well, they never could decide on what the name of the first movie was, so you know. And interestingly, so I went and saw seeing the wall. The poster for the wall says from the director of The Born Identity and Live Die Repeat. So I guess they really did change the title on that. <laughs> Even though the studio definitely did, like denied actually changing the title, it's like no, you you changed the title. Yeah, they're like they're advertising it as that movie now. Like that's how people oh. bring it up in conversation too. They don't got no one says yeah. it tomorrow anymore. That's what the uh, the DVD cover is. It's just like lived I repeat in giant bold, and yep. I don't even know if it's it's anywhere on there of uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, so that's on a quickies. Yep. Uh, let's move on now. Let's get some trailer talk. Let's uh, let's talk about some of the uh, the newest movie trailers. What we what we think of them when they're coming out. What have you? And um, let's see. First up, let's get to this movie that we. Um, we referenced quite a bit on last week's uh, summer themed podcast. <laughs> uh, it's the Dark Tower. Um, yeah. This is a, this is an upcoming film based off a very popular series of Stephen King novels, um, starring Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey. Um, it arrives this August, and we've just gotten the first trailer, um, and it seems to be telling. It's a. I guess okay. So the I guess the 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 film is like a somewhat of a sequel to what the books are, and it, it has uh, Idris Elba as a gunslinger, and like an old west gunslinger who is in pursuit of the Man in Black, and they're searching for a dark tower. And a kid gets involved in some capacity, and people travel through different worlds, including our world and what have you. Um, I'm curious. I've Brad, have you have either of you guys read the actual novels? I have not. I've read the first four. I think Wizard and Glass was the last one that I read. I think that was the fourth one. Um, I never, I never did go back and finish out reading. I think it was it. Uh, the Wolves of Kala was the fifth one, and then I forget the sixth one, and then the seventh one was the the Dark Tower. But so it was seven um, novels. I think it was seven. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it was seven. That's That's a, a lot, lot of novels. These. There's a lot of these, yeah. and yeah, it's the, a sequel to them. Okay. Yeah, um, and the fourth novel is. I think bigger than the other three combined. It's like really huge and it's mostly a flashback. I mean, it's mostly, um, it, it mostly tells the story of, of Roland the gunslinger when he was much younger. And they're all well liked from what I understand. Like it's a well liked series. They're very, one that... they're very, yeah. They're, yeah. I mean, like I said, I didn't finish it out, which isn't a testament of the quality of the material. I just, I just got busy with stuff and then, you know, I, I just didn't go back to it. Yeah. I mean, I really, really enjoyed uh, especially the first three. The first three were really, really good. So with that said, uh, what did you think of the trailer for this movie? It, you know, if the movie's supposed to be an adaptation of the books, it seems like they're uh, they're chopping a lot out. Uh, and maybe it's just that they haven't revealed it in the trailer, but 
I mean, I, I don't I don't know how spoilery you want me to get as far as uh, you know, know, you don't have to get too spoilery, but I mean, as I mentioned, yeah. it is like the from what I understand, it is supposed to be kind of a a sequel to two events that follow what's already happened in the books. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because I mean, the first book is called The Drawing of the Three, so it's like you know, he he gets these companions and and they accompany him on this journey, and so just seeing the one kid that he's with in the trailer, I was like, okay, so yeah, it wasn't clear to me that this was kind of a follow up. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm very, I'm very curious how you know both fans of the book and random people are, you know, thinking because you know this is essentially a big, you know, a big tentpole film for Sony who has this coming out at the yeah. beginning of August. So I and it, you know, it's just now starting its marketing campaign. Besides, you know, posters and random stuff. So it, it's just, it, it's all very. I'll get to my thoughts on this, but it's all, it's all very interesting to me to to know what people are actually thinking of this movie. But uh, how, how about mm-hmm. you, Brad? What did you think of the trailer for this for the Dark Tower? Uh, I thought it was very confusing. Um, I I'm not very familiar with the the books. Um, I know like the of the very basic story, and even then, like from what I understand, uh, after speaking with friends who have read the books, um, it seems like the movie is it's it's adapting pieces of several of the books into a movie. Um, so yeah, I don't. Know, it just I'm interested partially because it's it seems like it's a cool idea but it seems like the kind of fantasy sci-fi movie that will get brushed off by general audiences uh even though fans of the book series will give it a shot and see it like it's it just seems like really deep fantasy stuff that they're doling down uh for some general audiences and i think it's just going to end up being a draw for both of them where the fans aren't really going to like it that much and general audiences are going to be like well i don't really get what's happening here um, I, I think that the action that they showed off looks interesting. You know, I uh, the, the way the gunslinger loads guns extremely quickly was 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 a pretty cool visual to, to see happen. Um, I, I was I was hoping for a little bit more of a western sci-fi as opposed to a sci-fi with some western highlights. Yeah, I agree um, with that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's I, I'll I'll see it, and I'm I'm vaguely interested in it, but I'm not excited. <laughs> I like how you said you're vaguely interested in it. <laughs> Quarter of the year. Uh, I think it's all right. I mean, I the feeling the feeling that I got from it wasn't that it was great. Um, it kind of felt like it was rushed. And from what we've all heard about it, it seems like it, it's kind of been on and off the shelf. Uh, the other piece that I didn't like this at all, but it kind of gave me vibes of Priest from like way back when. Priest. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's just because of some of the aesthetic of like, oh, well, it's dark and, you know, you've got to go through all this like demon hunting at, at, to some point. Um, it also gave me vibes of uh, some of the, the uh, comic book series and movie of Wanted of just the way that Idris Elba is loading his gun and all this gun kata play and whatever else. But um, I like the people that are involved. I like the actors or at least Matthew McConaughey and, and Idris Elba. Um, but it, it does feel like it's going to be um, – What's the what's the how how should I phrase this? It feels like there's gonna be like what you guys were saying. There's just elements of other things that are in it that I'm I'm gonna be as somebody who doesn't have any knowledge of the properties beforehand. It feels like I'm gonna be put into a situation where I'm gonna have a lot of exposition uh, thrown in my face during the movie, and I feel like I'm seeing all the action sequences already. I feel like uh, if Idris Elba reloading is going to be the coolest thing in this movie, that really spells out how little I'm supposed to care about this actual movie. <laughs> I talked about last week how I, 
I just I feel nothing for the Dark Tower every time I hear about it. And after seeing the trailer, I feel like I actually feel less than nothing about it now. It just it feels like nothing. Wow. It like ideally, yeah, it'd be great. And again, like I said last week, if it you know turns out to be good, I'm all about celebrating you know a movie that you know entertains or what have you. But this just did nothing for me. Like after waiting all this time to see, like, all right, they're they're actually not going to delay this again. They actually do have a movie they're ready to show, and this just looks very generic. Uh, it, it, I I don't know if it's it, from from a book perspective. Do you think this would be like an R-rated film, or do you think it'd be like a PG-13? Yeah, if it's if it follows the book, it would be R-rated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and mainly think... mainly for language more than anything. Uh... I, I can't quite tell here, but I, I say that just because it has this big like. It feels like a big YA movie that just happens to have, <laughs> you know, Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey as the people you put. You I know, can the, see that. The second that yeah. wide-eyed kid steps in, I'm like, wait, what movie is this supposed to be? I thought it was just supposed to be about Idris Elba, like, shooting at Matthew McConaughey a bunch of times. It's actually yeah, a monster Black Rice this movie. The what? Did he? No, that, that that's what I that's what oh. you say to yourself. It's like, wait, did Shane Black write this movie? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just... The, the, there's little here that really, you know, got me in, got me excited about seeing it. Like looking, like hearing that Matthew McConaughey was in this as Man in Black is like, all right, that sounds like a fun, like he'll play against type and be a fun villain. But here he's just, there's nothing. He just like walks around and acts morose all the time. It's like, all right, I, I, I thought this would be like a fun, like McConaughey chews up this character role, and, and that's not what I, I saw. Well, I mean, you know, side note that nobody really knows, he's actually taking time from his Lincoln commercials and then. <laughs> doing this as well that's why he's dressed the same way pretty much so and and it's funny because in the books the man in black is referenced you know a thousand times more than he's portrayed like it it's it's a lot of tell not show with the man in black in the in the books so it's it's interesting if they're going to kind of do equal screen time like like i said it's just it's just weird like if it's truly takes place after the events of the books like you mentioned aaron then i think it, then maybe I'm a little more curious about it. Um, but if, if they're attempting to rehash, uh, you know, or retell the story of, you know, what takes place in six or seven books in in one movie. I mean, they, I, they, I know at one point they talked about the TV show. Like, is that still a thing or like I, I don't even know anymore, like what what's going to stick with this property and what's not because it my, seems like it changes all the time that's the worry i have that abe you mentioned where it just it feels like if they're gonna like kind of bring up a lot of things that happen in the books already and do like a follow-up which is again right. that's kind of what i'm hearing that just sounds like a bunch of exposition being thrown at me and mixed with you know occasional action scenes and it's like there's just i i want to be i, I want to you know I, I'm happy to see Idris Elba leading a movie and like do good, but at the same time, this just isn't. This does not look like the thing that's gonna make make me, you know, yeah. feel super excited. In the same way other movies. Well, are we'll see. Come August. Yeah, come August. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah August fourth is when the Dark Tower opens. So uh, yeah, we'll see about that. Let's uh, let's move on to our another trailer though, which is I think decidedly different, just in terms of hey, I laughed and smiled at this one. It is Thor Ragnarok, which um, came out a few weeks ago at this point. But since we're talking about Guardians, I figured why not save it till now? And so here we yeah. are. Um, this this film is the third Thor movie, as you know. It's directed by Taika Waititi, who we are big fans of on this podcast. Yes, we are. Um, it stars seemingly everybody. Um, in addition <laughs> to Hemsworth and Hiddleston, you have Kate Blanchett, um, Jeff Goldblum, Hopkins, of course, Carl Urban's in here, Mark Ruffalo is <laughs> the Hulk in here, Sam Neill's apparently supposed to show up somewhere to get a mini Jurassic Park. Doctor Grant himself. Yeah. So there's and you know all the all the other you know, Tessa Thompson adds to the cast. I was gonna well. say my new my new Hollywood crush Tessa Tessa Thompson. The, um, the other um, Asgardians who make reappearances, what have you, like 
So yeah, just right. like a stacked cast. No, no Natalie Portman though. Uh, the, yeah, no, it can get no, notably no Natalie Portman who's, who's right. no, no longer. They broke involved. up. Um, and yeah, in a new, in a in a zany looking Thor movie directed by Taika Waititi. Let's start, uh, Brad. What do you think of the trailer for Thor? Uh, I love this trailer so much. Um, I. So uh, last year I had the opportunity to visit the set of Thor Ragnarok and I can't talk about anything I've, I saw or know um, yet. But ever since then, I had been anxiously awaiting a proper first look at the movie because everything indicated to me that this was going to be a Thor movie that blew the other ones out of the water and was something completely different. And the trailer definitely put forth uh that attitude in the best way possible it's you know it's it's bright it's colorful it's it's cosmic it has this this mix of the attitude of guardians of the galaxy uh you know with some of the some of the same kind of humor that was um has worked you know in the, in the thor movies previously but you may be given a little bit more of the taika waititi style that you know needed to correct the franchise a bit and yeah it's just it just looks awesome and i i absolutely cannot wait to see it how about you russ yeah likewise i uh the one thing the one criticism i'll have and i totally get why they did it because they need to get people jazzed up uh, and excited to see it because of all the trailers for guardians that we saw in the theater this one got the most reaction from people like more than the star wars trailer more than any other trailer people were like audibly and i saw this sunday late afternoon uh guardians so so that was kind of encouraging. But the whole bit with him, you know, cheering when he finds out that his opponent is going to be the Hulk and that whole, you know, we're friends from work thing. <laughs> I, to, I really wish that I could have experienced that for the first time in the theater. Mm. Um, but but again, I, I totally get from a trailer perspective. It's like you need butts and seats. And that's the kind of thing that'll get people uh, excited to go see uh, a Thor movie. So. I, th- I thought it was well put together, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, using the the music uh, the way they did uh, the, the, the immigrant song. Uh, Zeppelin song. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think it uh, it uh, it looks like a winner. I, I, you know, I'm not as harsh on the other Thor movies uh, as, as some people. I think they're of the weaker tier in the Marvel. You know, when you rank all the Marvel movies, I think I think they are in the lower tier. But, uh, you know, I think. Taika Waititi is going to interject something that I think the franchise needs. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty much on, on board with what everyone has said. Like uh, what uh, Russell was saying, I'm not as hard on the previous Thor movies. I actually like Thor 1 better than Thor 2. I think that uh, Thor 2 feels more like a stepping stone is what I said when uh, we were reviewing it. But I we've talked about this as well on the podcast where it feels like Marvel Phase 3 – they're letting the directors kind of get give a little bit more of their of their own personal tastes and their own personal hints. And Taika Waititi, this guy loves pop culture references in his movies, and they're very fun and jovial and light while having this really deep message. You know, if you watch Hunt for the Wilder People or or uh, any of his other movies, like uh, oh, I'm sorry, what was that? What we do in the shadows? What we do in the shadows, and also what was the boy? What was the, Boy, yes, I was gonna say son, but <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, all these movies are very funny and witty and well written and also well directed. But they also have this this really this uh, kind of like this heartstring moment uh, from time to time, which feels natural. It feels it feels like it's not uh, pried in there. So I'm excited for Thor Ragnarok. I think that everyone 
uh, is also excited for it. But, um, you know, the same the same things kind of pop up from a lot of the other Marvel movies that makes me have some questions of, well, who's the villain? What's going on here? You know, is the villain even worth it, even if it's Cape Blanchett or whoever it's going to be? Uh, so stuff like that. But, you know, I'm excited for what Taika Waititi is going to bring to the screen. Yeah, I mean, this is this is this is probably of the three Marvel movies, which one of which we're talking about today. This is the one I'm most excited about seeing this year. I mean, it 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 it, it looks just fantastically different, and having that yes, that giant Chris Hemsworth smile when Hulk appears, it's just like this is <laughs> this is what everyone should be feeling when they go and see this movie. Uh, it's been a while since I've had trailers where I wanted to watch them repeatedly, but this has become one of them where I just really enjoy watching this. It's such a giant ball of energy as far as just seeing just everything to play out the way it does, scored to Zeppelin, all the colors, the production design and everything, and just leading mm-hmm. off of that whole Hulk thing. It's just, it, it's, a, it's a fantastically edited trailer, and I can only hope that y- YTT bring, you know, bring, makes the a two-hour version of this trailer work really well. Um, I hope so. But yeah, just... Lots of things to be excited for. So, I, I, as far as this movie goes, so I am looking forward to it quite a bit. And we're being spoiled in November because it's like this, then like Justice League's the week after, and and Coco at some point comes along too. And, and it's, it's a lot of things going on there. Yeah. Uh, Thor Ragnarok arrives the beginning of November, November third, uh, um, presume, presumably in 3D. That font too for the logo, like especially because it's yes. called because Ra- it's called Ragnarok, which is you know the end of things. Yet it's like the it's the most fun you could have with like a, a yeah. Thor title like look, where it's all like master it's like Masters of the Universe. That's what I mean. Um, anyway, let's move on now. Let's get to let's get to our main review, guys. Let's get to talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume Two. Fear, jealousy, betrayal. It is our duty to cleanse the universe of this weakness. You know, they told me you people were conceited douchebags, but that isn't true at all. Dude. Uh, I'm using my wrong eye. Groot, put your seatbelt on! (laughs) So we're saving the galaxy again? Yep. Awesome! We're really going to be able to jack up our prices for two-time Galaxy Savers. Yes! All right, that should have been some of the trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. The Guardians are back in an all-new adventure that may require saving the galaxy once again. Picking up mere months after the first, Star-Lord and the gang find themselves being pursued by evil Elizabeth Debicki and her golden army of arcade aliens, the Sovereign, only to be saved by Kurt Russell at his most charming, as it turns out, this is Ego, a living planet, and Star-Lord's long-lost father, who wants to get to know his son. The group splits up, leaving Rocket and Groot to look after a recently captured nebula, while the others see what this living planet is up to. Writer-director James Gunn throws out a lot at this sequel, including more characters, more action, and of course, more groovy songs. Brad, was this new volume a solid set list? Uh, yes. I enjoyed it quite a bit, actually. Um, for me, it, I didn't... Love it quite as much as the first one, but I think that it does some things much better than the first movie did. Um, specifically, what I really fell in love with in this movie is how deep it dug into the characters and how much it built upon what we had already learned about them when they were introduced in the first movie and how it also played them uh, off each other and developed the relationships. Um, what's great about this movie is that 
James Gunn didn't feel the need to go much bigger as far as the the action sequences are concerned, at least not for just the sake of, you know, making a bigger, bolder sequel. But instead, he just really, you know, focused on the characters and even expanded the roster of characters that we care about to the point that you find yourselves invested in a couple new uh, or a couple characters from the original movie who get expanded roles that you wouldn't have anticipated that you would have any attachment to. Um, it's I, I love that it has this Empire Strikes Back feel because there's not really much of a plot for like two thirds of this movie. We're just kind of just following the characters as they're on this ride and being pulled in different uh, directions in the galaxy. And it's not until the third act comes around that we really get an idea of like, you know, what they have to do and like they have to actually stop something from happening, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun ride. It's, it's really funny. It's, it's funnier than some comedies, um, that aren't big blockbusters. Like some movies that are just explicitly trying to be funny, uh, don't measure up to the level of comedy that's in this movie and it helps that it's it's you know has entertaining action and a roster of characters that you just want to spend a lot of time with russ what'd you think of guardians of the galaxy volume two i liked it quite a bit i i echo you know a lot of what was said too that it was definitely funnier i mean i found myself laughing a lot more than the first one and i laughed at the first one quite a bit uh i I, I think if if there's if there's any criticism I have, I think maybe it was a tad too long. And you know, I I'm not afraid of a long movie, uh, but I th- I think at times it felt like some of the scenes could have been condensed down just a little bit. Um, but but it it, it was interesting because you know one of the things that you know you watch the trailers and stuff, and you know as we we're talking about Thor and and some of these other trailers. A lot of times you, you so much of the movie is given away that you feel like you know where it's going and what it's going to be before you even sit down to it. And, you know, whether whether it's because the you know, it's not just heavy on plot to begin with. But I, I like that. I didn't really know kind of where it was going or what, you know, who the big bad was going to be. Um, I, I never even felt like really there was a, a a big bad necessarily. I mean, you know, I, I you know. Given given the way it ended, it it ended up being that way. But uh, but I like that it just kind of you just felt like you're just kind of along for the ride with these characters, uh, continuing from the first one. Abe, yeah, I pretty much agree with what, what, what Bradford and Russell were saying. I mean, it feels like it's a continuation and it's building on these characters that you have grown to like. And I still think that James Gunn brings his. This this movie still feels like it's still kind of standalone from the rest of the rest of the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe because it's just so kind of out there. But it, it just has much more humor, has much more like its pace is it's much is much greater. Um, but uh, obviously there are there are going to be some issues with it as well. I mean, I found myself realizing that there were moments of a lot of um, kind of just exposition from some of these characters throughout the movie. But the thing that uh, really kept it going was just everything else, right? So while there was exposition of, like, Yondu telling his backstory or whatever the case, or, or Kurt Russell kind of explaining his backstory, um, and it, it just felt like it was fine because it blended in and it meshed well with what else was going on, and I was curious about what's going on with Rocket and Groot and uh, all those other folks, but I also cared about uh, Yondu and what's going on with those folks, and so it, it just felt like it was constantly moving which is why even though there was some lag in it here and there it was okay um 
music was fine. I think I liked the first soundtrack better, but uh, maybe it's because it was a little bit of a of a newer thing, meaning like you know it wasn't just like a, a orchestra, and it was actually these like pop songs from seventies and eighties. Um, I enjoyed the opening sequence of this, and I actually liked that it was smart in that it didn't really make you realize what was going. Or you you were focused on kind of Groot dancing rather than a battle in the background. So um, that was that. And I agree that there's a lot of laughs in here. I laughed quite a bit, and there's some there's some good tender moments as well. But uh, I definitely agree with Russell that when it comes down to a big bad, it, it, for me, it didn't really need to really matter at some point it kind of just uh was the fact of the movie but um i could have just spent my whole entire time just going on the adventures of the guardians of the galaxy so yeah it's good but i still think that the first one was kind of like a knockout like home walk off home run kind of thing whereas this one's still really good um just that the first one kind of amazed me much more um, I will say I do like the soundtrack of this one better than the first one. <laughs> um, okay. I don't know why. Uh, I just, but I mean, it's just I, I, I've been, I've listened to it a lot. I've listened to the first one a lot, and I, this one just like it, it works for me more. I don't know why. Um, with that said, I agree with you guys. I mean, we're not going to get much variation. Apparently, wasn't sure what was exactly going to happen, <laughs> but that's how it is. We all really like the movie, and apparently, we all like it just enough. Not quite as much as the first one, which I think has to do maybe with the freshness of that first one more, where this is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more of what we we got from that first one and delivered into in a, you know, a, a larger scale ex- or a larger extent as far as what it's doing. Um, but the first one, I guess, just kind of hits a, a certain itch that I guess we wanted in the Marvel universe more. Um, regardless, um, yeah, I I really do like this movie. It's a lot of fun. I want to talk more about the, I guess, the filmmaking aspect because I think you know, Brad, you mentioned you know, this one does a lot of things kind of better than the first one, regardless of how much better the movie as a whole is. I think this one is a better made movie as far as what you're looking at. I mean, they used um, they used the Red Ninja 8K cameras to make this thing, and it looks amazing. I mean, yeah, as, as far as the like the the production design and makeup design, like it, it's so it has to be so like perfect for this because you're getting you know everything on camera and everything looks great. Like it looks so clear, and like between the the visual effects and the you know the practical effects, everything just looks fantastic throughout. And I was very impressed by that and seeing. Seeing it again today on IMAX, seeing the you know how the the scale is as far as you know seeing the aspect ratio, it's like an open mat format, so you really get to see just so much on screen, and it's it's vibrant. This is such a, a big, colorful, and fun and flashy movie to watch, and it it really speaks to seeing a filmmaker's voice shine through. Where as much as we like these Marvel movies, you know obviously some of them feel a little bit more of a pro, like a product, I would say, than they do a director's vision coming to life, and you really feel that stamp there. And this really feels like a James Gunn movie, even mm-hmm. if it doesn't have, I don't know, giant slug monsters infecting Nathan Fillion at the last minute. I feel like there's like there's plenty going on elsewhere that makes us feel like James Gunn's personality is all over this thing. Now, at the same time, I do think James Gunn's personality all over this thing is what causes some of the issues. I think the you know, the first film had a co-writer. Um, this one is all James Gunn. And I, I think because of that, it, it certainly has all of his sensibilities here, but it, it kind of it, it makes the... As much as it wants to cash in on these, you know, get, dive in on into deeper on these characters, I think the the plot, as you guys have mentioned, I think it it kind of slows down as a result. There's really not like Brad, you mentioned, there's nothing really happens as far for a good chunk of the the movie as we're like you know learning more about these people. And I, as much as I admire getting more character work, and I do, um, 
there's a lack of propulsiveness that I think this movie could have used more of. Like Rusty said, it's long, and I think it's because of that. Because like, there's a long time just like let's hang out with ego for an hour. And yeah, that's what yeah. comes. It's just all right. So like, what does Peter Quill have to do? He just kind of sits around in <laughs> ego's planet for a long time, and that's it. Like there's, there's the, he apparently he gets a relationship arc of sorts with his father, and that's nice and what are these characters really doing here? They're just kind of standing around. And I, I don't, there, I don't know if there's, I don't know what the answer is as far as how to make that work better, but I do think that's an issue. I, I think it's just that there's, you have, you know, you have uh, Michael Rooker's Yondu involved and he has a much more significant plot line going on. It seems as far as keeping things moving and developing the character where this is the other side of things like, all right, well, we're going pretty slow here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, the movie's very, I mean, it's super funny. Um, it's, it, there's some, some great slash cartoony action in here that I kind of liked the way they use spaceships, I think is particularly entertaining, um, as far as how, how they move around the space that they're in and how kind of almost Looney Tune-ish it can be at times, somehow, <laughs> but somehow, yeah. somehow yeah. still fitting within this universe. <laughs> what you're saying about the visual aesthetic of it, I, I certainly appreciate that a lot. I mean, there's like a lot of like neons and, uh, it, it spans the entire color spectrum, of wackiness to just regular, you know, uh, everyday. It's like the Skittles colors. color palette. Like that's what it looks like. Yeah, uh, like of all versions of Skittles, like all the berries, all the tropicals, and the regular Skittles flavors. So, but I, I think that's why, you know, as much as I like Captain America and I like those movies, like what you said, there's there's something about all the previous other movies where they just don't really have a different color look to them and. Maybe that's something that Marvel consciously decided that they wanted to have happen, but uh, I'm glad that they kind of let James Gunn kind of do this where, yeah, I mean, you're in space, you're in outer space, and we don't really have a, a flair for that. But now that we do, it it, it kind of comes across in the Thor Ragnarok trailer as well. Um, but uh, I'm excited for where the rest of the directors that will take these uh, other properties will go with uh, the kind of more of a free reign now. It'll be neat to, I mean, yeah, it'll be neat to see what comes next, I guess. And yeah, I certainly have Taiko Atitu who's doing something that at least looks somewhat different. Um, but yeah, with this film, it, it is nice to, it, it's refreshing almost. I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned earlier the kind of the lack of, you know, the standaloneness of this film. It's even more, like even the first film, you know, Thanos was like the thing there, but that's still fairly unrelated to anything else going on in the MCU. This film's just like whatever. It does does not matter. Let's let's yeah. move, let's let's talk about yeah. Kurt Russell for a while instead instead of dealing with immediate things going on here. And it it's nice. That's a nice change of pace as far mm-hmm. as not I mean, I enjoy the 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 interconnectedness of these movies, but at the same time, it's nice to just get a big space opera that happens to be within the Marvel universe. Uh, and yeah, that's just that's fun to watch. Um yeah. And it's also fun. Question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, question for you guys. What did you guys think of uh, of uh, young Kurt Russell? I mean, it, it looked fantastic. Like, this is the best. And I, I, I read something somewhere that most of the effect was practical, not digital. Really? Um, yeah. Huh. Well, obviously, some of it had to That's be good digital. good to know. Because, right, right, right. But yeah, but I was I, – and I can't remember where I was reading that because I wanted to go back and, and, and look at that. But – it, it looked the best of any of them. I mean, I wasn't a fan of the DH Robert Downey Jr. I thought it looked a little a little off. It kind of creeped me out a little bit. The the young Michael Douglas was probably was was fairly that was fairly my favorite decent. one up until now. Yeah. Yeah. But this was like 
spot on. I mean, I couldn't find a flaw in it. I mean, it it didn't creep me out. It didn't, you know, we didn't have that uncanny valley effect with it. Uh, it looked really good. I, I was, I was, I was really surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was blown away by that. That like there was there was a moment where uh, one of my friends that I was with, like he leaned over to me and he he, he was holy shit, that's amazing. Because <laughs> uh, it, it was it was flawless. Like uh, if if you would have shown me that clip from the movie out of context, I would have wondered like what old Kurt Russell movie this was. Yes. Because yeah, yeah, it, it didn't look it didn't have like that sort of uh sometimes when they do it like you can really tell that it looks airbrushed um uh, it's been touched up by effects but and and to its testament of how good it looks the fact that they are, they're creating that effect in bright light and not with in a, in a dark environment makes it even more impressive because uh, it's much easier to do those kinds of visual effects when there's low light but the fact that they're doing it broad daylight it's just it looked amazing i, I was blown away by how good it looked it looks fantastic, and it's it's. I like that the, if they're going to keep doing this, I like that obviously they're getting better at it and how to do it, and the way they implement it, I think is just clever. Um, mm-hmm. But that's one yeah. thing that all leads to a what you've already kind of alluded to. What I think is one of the best opening title credit sequences of all time in this movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, I mean, the, the, how, the, how often the, do you see that happen in, of, a, in any like, action movie? Like, you know, a, a digital one-shot that's, like, stitched together so elaborately has a great song choice. I've been very careful for some reason about the song. Like, that's the things I've, I've tried not to mention to people. Just well, we mentioned that we didn't, we didn't look at the playlist before we saw the movie. Because I think there's a, is a good – it really works to, like, kind of be surprised, hit with what these songs are, even though I'll probably yeah. use one in the end of this episode of the podcast. Um, yeah. But – but yeah, it's just like that whole like right there showed me is like this movie means business as far as the how the you know what James Gunn's doing as a director because it's just such a a clever like it you know you get sequels sometimes that you know they have to kind of they want to capitalize off of things that were popular in the first movie and this one has a way of doing it where it doesn't feel intrusive where it's like you like this thing from that movie well we're giving you a lot of that but incorporating <laughs> it in a very clever way and it really is and it and it's such a it's such a great like play, play way to look at like what the attitude is of this movie, where it's like, yeah, there's action in it, but who cares? Let's show let's show you this thing too. And it has... yeah, that was a pretty pretty bold choice. I mean, yeah. they they decided to focus the attention of this this major battle happening between these characters, and were focused on one of the characters, you know, da- you know, basically dancing through the scene, and it was just like, you know, again. Typically in big budget movies like this, the the focus is going to be on the splash and the splendor and the effects and the budget and everything else. And and it, I thought it was kind of cool that they just said, yeah, this is kind of happening in the background and you can listen and you can hear and you can kind of see stuff. But but the focus is on is on this guy here. So yeah, I was surprised while I was watching it. I when it when it does the freeze frame for the title and then like it it pans. Uh, in that same freeze frame, like in the three-dimensional space around Groot, I thought they were going to keep the camera moving around the entire scene and maybe have like freeze frames around the different characters here and there. But the fact that they focused solely on Groot and all the action is just like kind of blurry in the background with the characters coming in and out of the, the focus space that Groot is in was was really cool. Yeah, I mean, one of the best things about that, and Aaron, you said it best, is basically just sets up the the tone of like this is what we're doing. Uh, because what well, what what I was kind of running into was, am I supposed to be focusing on the background, or am I supposed to be focusing on on the foreground of what's going on? And then at a certain point, I was just like, let's just focus on the foreground because I'm pretty sure the background doesn't matter. 
and yeah, I mean, that's one of the best things about uh, just this franchise in particular is just they just are kind of they're not they're not off. It's just that they're just doing what feels like uh, Aaron. I think you said it best, which is like a space opera. They're just doing whatever they kind of want, and they're doing sure. Let's go with they're it. They're doing what they want, but they also it's just this level of sarcasm that comes with it. Where it's yeah. like, is I mean, we talk. I mean, we talk about this movie being funny, and I, I, I don't think any of us think the other Marvel movies aren't funny. I think because that's just their inherent nature. They're supposed to be big, colorful, likable things, and for the most part, they are. This one has just this, 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 this um, this witticism going on here. That it just, mm-hmm. it, it feels, you know, that even the posters say like, obviously, and you're welcome, things like <laughs> you're that. Welcome. Yeah, it just right. has this yeah. great kind of sense of humor that. <laughs> That you know, it's wry and it's different than everything else going on, and that really plays well here. It's this, it's you know, it's like the, you know, you can get like a, a standard top forty hit, or you can get you know this alternative rock soundtrack that the Guardians of the Galaxy is, and that's what it feels like, and it yeah. works well. Um, I have a question for you guys. Yeah. Uh, we've talked a lot about how kind of like emotion plays well, you know, the emotional beats play into these films, uh, into the, into this film in particular. I feel for me, I felt like there was almost too much of that in here. Uh, I'm not against the idea of like I care for these characters. That's not what I'm saying, but I feel like there's a number of moments where like Tyler Bates' score comes in and starts to be like, let's put some strings on to make sure you feel that way. I particularly, I particularly felt that way towards the beginning um, with with Yondu, where I'm supposed to suddenly care about like some kind of code that he has, and it, it's just like it's th- it's like it feels like the movie's throwing me a lot of information a lot, and then it just wants me to care because well, there's score here, so you're supposed to feel this way. And I'm curious, did you guys have any? Were you getting overly? Do you think the film was being overly emotional at times? No, I, I, I mean, for me personally, I the the emotional core of this movie was what was most refreshing about it. Mm-hmm. I kind of in the way the same way that the opening credit scene creates this idea of uh, there's all this action happening in the background, but we don't want you to focus on you know this little thing that's happening here with Baby Groot dancing. I think that the movie as a whole has that attitude of being like, sure. Here's a sci-fi comic book blockbuster movie from Marvel Studios, but what's really important are the characters, and everything else doesn't really matter. It's a way of getting these characters to evolve and connect with each other and come to terms with their flaws and each other's flaws. And so I was more than happy to have not only the range of emotions that come from these characters, but also how the character characters connect to each other. Like I never would have in a million years thought that uh, I would connect so much with a, the relationship dynamic that rocket and uh, Yondu strike with each other, or that Yondu would even be a character that I would care about as much as I did by the end of this movie. Um, and the same can be said, I think for Gamora and Nebula's relationship too. And so I, I don't think that there was too much emotional. If anything, I think it was, just the right amount. I, I, I like that it allowed us to really dig into these characters as, you know, more than just comic book, uh, you know, toys. I, and I guess I could appreciate that. I'll, I'll, I'll add, I mentioned Yondu that, and I I'll also say Michael Worker stole this movie for me. Like he's my, as much as I like <laughs> the lines of Drax and like seeing yeah. Groot do stuff, this was the Michael Rooker show for me. I'm, all, I'm, I'm very happy for it to be the Michael Rooker show. To me, it was the it was kind of a natural evolution, right? The first movie, you have to spend time introducing these characters, and we have to learn who they are separately or individually. And now that we're past that, 
the next logical step for the next movie is, okay, let's, let's go deeper with them. Cause we don't, we don't really have to worry about their origin and, you know, we don't need separate screen time so we can kind of be, uh, you know, so we can kind of be eased into them. We, we know them by the end of the first movie. So I, I, I thought that was, that was just kind of a really good logical step for, uh, James Gunn to take with, with this one. Yeah. And with the emotion of it, uh, to answer your question, I wasn't, I wasn't, crazy you know i wasn't caught up in it and i wasn't kind of like dabbing my eyes and i certainly heard a lot of people kind of sniffling in the theater uh, later in the movie but um what was interesting is i didn't know that i was supposed to feel that way about yondu like early on because they introduced yondu and you kind of go through his whole entire like well you know maybe yondu has a you you get into the whole entire like, the code of the Ra- uh, ravagers right and I was like, oh, I didn't know that this was – I didn't know that Yondu was going to be such a large part of the Guardians of the Galaxy, much the same way that I didn't know that Nebula was going to be such a large part of the Guardians of the Galaxy either. So I was kind of uh, – I was kind of not sure where to place some priorities of my emotional my emotional money. Uh, and so looking back on it though, it's it's actually uh, pretty clever the way that, they, that it's kind of evolved. And um, when you compare it to – other movies and the first one that comes to mind is uh or characters from other marvel movies like when you think of like the winter soldier and you had captain america winter soldier and then you move into captain america civil war it's not as though you got a huge amount of backstory on bucky barnes right like you didn't really you understood who he was and and kind of the, the plight that he went through but um there was not it, there weren't there weren't you had already gotten that establishment from first avenger right uh, whereas someone who was like, oh, that's kind of throwing me for a loop that uh, you would kind of have Yondu get more backstory and then all of a sudden become one of the major components of this second movie. And that's why I wasn't uh, I wasn't as emotionally invested per se, but that was because I wasn't expecting it. So does that make sense? Sure. I'm curious. Um, there's a whole, you know, you, we mentioned the kind of Gamora Nebula at, you know, aspect of the film. I feel like I took more away from Nebula than I did Gamora, who's, you know, one of the Guardians of the Galaxy, and I still think ends up having kind of the short uh, the short end of the stick in this film. Um, despite being basically, like, you know, second build in this movie, I feel like I know not that much. I mean, besides, they're sisters, and they things could have been different, but they weren't. But maybe, maybe they get better. Uh, compared to the other characters, I feel like I know all of them very well. Um, it, Minus Gamora? Yeah, mine is Gamora. Like, yeah. like, like I was saying, even Nebula, who is you know like a side character in the first movie, seems to get yeah. like a lot of a lot of work as far as a character in this film. Um, while you know the other half of that relationship still feels ill-defined. Is she? I mean, she's mainly just kind of you know screaming at Peter, or <laughs> being in action in some form. But as a character, it's like there's nothing really I there. Mean, I I don't know necessarily that I kind of agree with that only because I think that what we get from Gamora as far as understanding her is the fact that she's not giving us much to understand. And I think that that is speaks a lot to what kind of person she is still right now. Like the fact that she's resistant to uh, Peter Quill's charms whatsoever and not willing to give in to that unspoken, you know, romance between them. And the fact that she doesn't let Mantis touch her to get uh, any sense of her emotions um, the uh, her resistance to let anybody really get close to her until really like towards the end of this movie, I think paints enough of a portrait for us to understand who she is right now. And I think that if anything, maybe it's just a setup to allow her to open up more once we get into Guardians of the Galaxy three. 
I guess. Doesn't that feel a, a little sad that we have to wait till three movies to get more of that character? Compared to everybody else? I mean, Drax is like a nothing character if you if you boil him down to what he is. Just like a guy that wants revenge, but like, you know, Batista... He has some personality. I think, to me, Gamora continues to be the weak link of the franchise. I mean, I felt she was the weak link of the first movie, and I, I think she's the weak link of this one. And whether that's just the way her character's written, whether Zoe Saldana is just not like maybe it wasn't the best fit. Like I don't I don't know, but I always feel like she just she just is the weakest link in, in this franchise to me. Mm. Bradley Cooper's delivering, and I guess Sean Gunn by default since he plays, Well I mean Bradley Cooper, right. yeah, who plays like the stand in. But uh, I'm segueing. I mean, Cooper, I'm not, I mean, I'm not his... trying to compare it. I'm just saying Bradley Cooper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, he's doing a great job. Oh, you're segueing. Okay, yeah. all right. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, he's got a good he's got a good arc in this too. So it is fun to see more of these characters do their thing, uh, which which includes yeah. Gamora. I mean, Gamora is good at one a certain thing, which is action stuff, and yeah, she delivers on the action stuff. In the same way, we get more Rocket here, and Rocket delivers on being very good with weapons and being a dick to everybody. And there's yeah. a lot of that <laughs> in this movie. And they hurl insults his way too. Like I know. I was, I was just, uh, you can audibly hear the audience kind of going "aw" when somebody calls him like a triangle face monkey or something like that, and he's grabbing his snout. To see if yeah. And yeah. everyone was like "aw," and I was like "oh man, come on guys!" <laughs> and everyone's calling him a fox. By the way, this is like the best Star Fox movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so yeah, they will they even fight Andros at the end, given how it works. Yeah. <laughs> like... I mean, they're going through like this, this meteor field with a spaceship that looks. Almost like Star Fox's spaceship. There, there's so. a lot of video game humor in this movie in general. There is. Oh yeah. From the from the sound effects to a certain thing that Peter does later on in the movie, there... which is fantastic. I was expecting that. Yeah. Um, question for you guys: What did you guys think of like the five post-credit sequences? There were uh, five. There were five of them. Get into them. Like there were five of them, the, but the some first of them were one jokey, was the best some one. Of them actually, makes sense, and then kind of just. Uh, like, do you think that's a good way to keep audiences in their seats for the duration of the credits? Well, it's a very interactive credit sequence, which is nice. I mean, it's, yeah. in addition to getting bonus scenes, which is fun right there, there's just, like, things, I mean, they the, keep changing the track up and the, as far as the music goes. There's little things happening on the side of the screen. Like, if you, There's like, actually, like, TV, if, TV intro stuff that happens with, with uh, Peter and uh, Gamora, which is pretty funny. Like, yeah, yeah. James Gunn's really been like, well, I'm going to I'm gonna make you sit here and like it. Like, <laughs> make you have a lot of fun it had a cool aesthetic. Uh, I like the whole replacement of some of the words uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, and titles awesome. and stuff. That was that was funny. Um, I I'd swear I saw Jeff Goldblum as one of the one of the bubbles at he the did. end. Yeah, uh, Grandmaster did appear. And then also my, one, another one I noticed is uh, Greg Henry as Peter's grandpa. Yes, appears. yeah, yes. He, and he's like hardcore dancing. Yep. <laughs> yep. I'll do a lot of those outtakes. He's also in the movie. Yeah, for blinking, you miss like him. Yeah. yeah. I was wondering about that. Where Where was he? That little blue car that gets pushed by the gelatinous thing on Earth. Uh-huh. It, it's him. Him. He, he's driving along with. There's uh, there's a black okay. man next to him. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I enjoy the credit scenes. Um, the I I kind of like the mix of having a few that are just kind of like funny little extra scenes with the scenes that actually will impact the future of the Marvel Universe. I will say that I think this is the the uh, first one where almost, like, like I would say maybe 90% of the people that were at the theater felt like they had no idea what either of the more important credit scenes meant at all. Like, usually, yes. usually when I'm in a theater 
and they tease something that's coming, there are some people that go, oh, or they clap and they get excited. Both mm-hmm. of them in this one, they were like, what? <laughs> it was like yeah. that for me with, with the first Avengers movie. Like when the, when when Thanos turns and smiles, like nobody was like, it's like, OK, who's the purple guy? Like nobody knew. who. <laughs> like, yeah, they were just clueless. They're like, oh, whatever. I admittedly did have to do research after this movie to figure out a couple of them. Yeah. Or one actually, of them. I actually had one of them accidentally spoiled for me as I was writing an article for slash film. And, and if I hadn't written that, then I would have been just as clueless as, as everybody else. Uh, specifically the, the one with Sylvester Stallone and the other characters that show up at the end of the movie. I would have had no idea who any of those people were. <laughs> that was a cool, I wasn't, there's some good again, surprises. I, yes. As far as, yeah, yeah. I, both. I tried to stay – so like anytime I saw Sylvester Stallone's name mentioned with this movie, I quickly like either closed my eyes or I scrolled or I was really trying to kind of stay away from that. So there were a few uh, cameos at, at the end that popped up r- related, and I was like, oh, that was cool. I wasn't expecting you know this person and that person to to show up. So I, th- I thought it was it was fun to go in and, and have that surprise. Uh, so can, – uh, can- we talk about the soundtrack a little bit more yeah yeah sure um in generally i enjoy the soundtrack i don't like it quite as much as the first one um part of it is because not all the songs are as recognizable as the sound songs on the first one but also i think that there are just like two or three songs that i feel like don't vibe with the visuals that are happening on screen. I disagree. I, I liked everything he was doing. Uh-oh. Here's the thing: it's mo- most of the time it's great, but there are there were some instances where I'm like, I don't think this this fits very well. Um, as much as I like the sequence uh, involving Yondu and the slow motion shot of him whistling his arrow all around the oh, that ship, was a great choice for that. <laughs> I didn't necessarily dig it. I like the song. I think it, it the, the it gives a cool vibe that fits with Yandu's character, but I, I don't know. There was something about it that just didn't feel as cool or as badass as it could have. And then um, on a different end of the spectrum, uh, the second time that Wham Bam Shangalang is used in the third act doesn't work at all for me. I like that it's used when uh, the Sovereign ships show up, but I don't like it when they're in, like, the core of the planet for all with all the actions happening. And, uh, it just doesn't, it just, it just feels weird to me. Um, I like the song a lot, but it just, it doesn't feel like it fits with everything that's happening on screen. I feel like it was missing a little bit of the, the rock and roll edge that the first soundtrack had. And I would have preferred just a little bit more of that in this movie. I think there's a, on a lyrical level, I think it's very thematically fitting with what's going, going on in the <laughs> scene. Like I think that's why that's why Gunn has chosen these songs very specifically because he, besides having just a fan, being a fan of this era of music and especially going for deep cuts, I, I do think there's a there's a logic to why he's choosing all the songs that he's choosing. Yeah, I mean, obviously I it comes down. I, I mean, no it's, it's, a, that, it's a subjective yeah. thing as well. Obviously, like it's not. No, yeah, and I don't disagree. I, I, all the songs clearly have a purpose, and he cho- chose them very specifically for those scenes. Um, I, I don't know. I just it's it's definitely a subjective thing. It's just, it's just for me. It's just a matter of how the the rhythms of the songs match up with like the visuals and just like the the vibe that they give off. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It did it didn't jive with me as tightly as the first one did? 
Boom. I'm just going to sit, I'm, I'm I'm sit on my island of I like the sound <laughs> soundtrack better than the first soundtrack. Three against one. No, I, I get you. But again, what I said was like maybe it was just more fresh in the first one of like, oh, wow, these pop songs are here and, and like they do mesh with the with the movie because, uh, yeah, I, I still enjoyed it, but I, I just think that it was more of a pop in the first one. I was disappointed that Fox on the Run wasn't actually in the movie. Yeah, me too. But it's on the soundtrack. You can get it. <laughs> Let's wrap things up. Let's uh, any, any other any final thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two? Go see it. I'm excited uh, for for what's to come in Volume Three. I think one of the one of the cool things is I think there's a there's a definite through line to what the third one will be, uh, which I'm excited for, and uh, I'm curious to see how they fit into Infinity War. Because, like we said, that this was com- more disconnected uh, than the first one from kind of you know things to come, which I was totally fine with because it lets you just focus on the movie itself instead of trying to figure out how it's going to fit into what's to come. So uh, I, I think it's going to continue to be kind of its own thing. Although for Volume Three, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some other uh, Earthbound heroes. Uh, show up in in the third one i don't know why i think that but i just i that's <laughs> i just think that jay jonah jameson will return yes all right when what so when should people go and see this movie i think we're all recommending it <laughs> um what, what do you got to say about that definitely go see it in the theater i mean i didn't see it in imax and i'm sure you guys actually you get half of you guys saw it in imax right yeah i saw it in imax worth it i did not yeah, yeah i saw oh, it that's definitely worth it because they They've made the aspect ratio so that uh, most of the time it fills the entire IMAX screen, and it's it's a much larger uh, image with more to see than you'd see in the standard theater. Wow. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, and I, and the, I completely, the I completely agree. As far as you know, an IMAX, this is this is the kind of film you want to see in IMAX. I mean, and, and I think the 3D works well too. I did. I, I thought that. Oh, said in 3D as well. I thought. Well, yeah, it's only an IMAX 3D, but I thought I thought oh, okay. that I thought that was very beneficial in the first film and that that follows through here i just the the nature of a a big poppy space movie really works for that format and i think gun is very uh if they're basically throwing that you have to do this i think he's making sure to utilize that that quality well specifically with Hmm. the scene where you know yondu's whistling an arrow all over the place it it really makes a difference yeah and like that that opening scene with like you know it just it or the sorry, the opening credit sequence it plays well as far as what it's doing. I mean, so. Yeah, the okay. the first one was was some good 3D too. My my wife, so it it's funny. My wife kind of can come and go. She likes the the Iron Man, Captain America, Avengers stuff just because of the humor and everything. And bar none, like Guardians is her favorite of of all all these movies. It's probably one of her favorite movies in probably the last ten years. I mean, she she just absolutely loves it. And a lot of it is the music. A lot of it's the humor. Um, and she's not a sci-fi superhero kind of person, like period, like she could care, care less, but these, you know, a good portion of these movies just grab her, I think just because of the, uh, the, the characters and the, and the humor, but she is not a fan of the 3d whatsoever. So a, I couldn't go Thursday night, which I know, which is kind of like the ritual anymore for, for Marvel movies, uh, to get, to go see and B we couldn't, we couldn't do the 3d cause she just isn't a fan. So, I might try and sneak out uh, at some point <laughs> now that she's seen it and I won't get close. You should tell her that some of them are worth it, though. Just some yeah. of them. Yeah. Yeah, she just – I don't know what it is. She just can't. She just – yeah, it's just a – anyway. It's understandable. Um, so, yeah. yeah, so I think I might, I might try and duck out and catch a, catch an IMAX 3D if I can get one. Yeah. 
it's definitely worth seeing IMAX 3D. And I would also recommend watching Empire Strikes Back after you watch it. <laughs> right after? <laughs> a double feature? Yeah. I like that. You, you should just watch Empire Strikes Back because it's That's, the Empire Strikes yeah, Back. Yeah, it's one of the best movies. You don't need a qualifier on that. <laughs> no, but there are, I think there are a lot of uh, really cool similarities between Guardians 2 and Empire Strikes Back. Sure. No, absolutely. Both, both absolutely. thematically and just like narratively. Okay. Yeah, the, the splitting. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Well. So. That's our that's our thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Let's move on now. Let's get to our sponsor real quick. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Why Audible? Well, Audible is including more than 180,000 audiobooks and other similar programs for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, Zune, or any kind of MP3 device. <laughs> Additionally, Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook download of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. Choose a book to download for free and just start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. Get started today. Get rid of get check out the service if you want to. If you don't like it, you can get rid of it, but you get to keep that book they download for free. For free. So be a winner. And read. Or listen at audibletrial.com slash out now podcast. All right. Still making me laugh with that little uh, in joke there. Yep. Um, yep. Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to let's do our feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where I go over some of the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash out now podcast, where we ask the listeners a number of questions that they gave us answers, then they gave us some questions and we'll attempt to answer them um yeah. brad and uh and uh, russell feel free to lend in your uh, your answers when you want to of course yeah so first question we asked everybody which of the guardians of the galaxy is your favorite justin writes groot if you mean move going tonight uh what does that mean <laughs> uh alessandro writes uh, i think you'd say um groot if you mean the movie to, i think he's i think he's going he was going to watch the movie tonight or something like that. gotcha okay all right thanks justin uh, Alessandro writes, gotta be Drax, he stole every scene he was in. Chris writes, softbots for Gamora, but in Volume 2, Drax was awesome. Michael writes, Yondu, if you were talking about up till now, Drax, if just Volume 1. Uh, Dennis probably has my favorite answer, he writes, I am Groot. I am Groot. I am Groot. Meaning Star-Lord. Uh, Amy writes, Rocky Raccoon. Manish has Gamora. And Ricardo has, hashtag Star-Lord 2020. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, next question we have. Uh, uh, sorry, guys. What are your favorite Guardians? Rocket. Yeah, he's a fan of Rocket. Drax. No. I mean, now that Yondu's part of the freaking Guardians of the Galaxy, except <laughs> he didn't say freaking, I'd say Yondu. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he said Groot instead. I, 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 probably Drax, I guess, in this uh, scenario. Um, okay. All right. Next question we have. We visited a lot of places in the Marvel Universe, including a variety of countries, secret bases, and planets. What has been your favorite? Uh, Chris writes, probably Asgard. Love the way Marvel built it. Otherwise, the Marvel Hell Carrier is a kick-ass base. <laughs> Manish writes, the glimpse of Wakanda plus meeting Chala and his father really intrigued me. I'd agree with that. That was that, Yeah, that was actually a really cool uh, secret base that they have. Any, uh, any favorite places we visited so far? I, I really like the... Where the where the collector was in the first Guardians, which was like inside of a, a human. Oh like, no, like, nowhere. nowhere, nowhere. Yeah, which is like a like a Titan's skull. Like the, oh it's, yeah, that's it's right. It's a it's a um, not a celestial, but a. Um... No, it it is a celestial. Okay. It's the head of a celestial. Yes, I still love the Triskelion. Just seeing that in, like, obviously a CG generated building, but you know, being a fan of the Ultimates uh, for as long as I as I have been. To see that actually show up on screen, not just in uh, Winter Soldier, but to have it show up in uh, Agents of Shield too is is just fun. I just mm -hmm. I like the fact that they and Ant Man for that matter. I, I like that they actually made that a, a real thing in the Marvel Universe. 
and it still it's... holds. <laughs> holds the... Oh no! Wait, cat, cat, cat broke him out at the end. So never mind. <laughs> Ant Man's still there, <laughs> away from his daughter. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, next... Not the raft, the Triskelion. Oh, the Triskelion. Okay, well, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> Raft's cool too. Get don't right, get me wrong. But <laughs> that's my bad. Um, all right, next thing. What character interaction are you most looking forward to in the Avengers? To, sorry, what what hmm. what character interaction are you most looking forward to when the Avengers meet the Guardians of the Galaxy in Infinity War? Dennis writes, I'm pretty sure Gamora would say something about Hulk being green-skinned too. Jason writes, Iron Man and Star-Lord and the quips will be off the charts. Michael Lee, friend of the show, writes, Groot and Hulk, just imagine the conversation between these two. Uh, Chris writes, Thor and Drax will be a good meeting of egos. Rocket and Iron Man, my gun is bigger than yours. Uh, and Manish writes, hopefully Tony Stark will say something inappropriate to Gamora and she'll knock him down. <laughs> Very possible. Hopefully hopefully Rocket with anybody, because I think Rocket, uh, yeah, his ego drives him a lot, pretty far, but with Tony Stark, that'd be, that'd be kind of neat. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to hearing the things Tony Stark has to say about the Guardians. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, next question we ask everybody, Michael Rooker is a very wonderful actor. What's your favorite performance from The Rook? Tammy writes, uh, Merle in The Walking Dead, Mallrats, and Grant Grant in Slither. Jason has Mallrats, hashtag chocolate pretzel. Chris wrote a follow-up. He's like, chocolate pretzel? Had forgotten about that. Uh, loved him as Merle, though. And lastly, uh, Jay writes, Grant Grant and Slither. So lots, lots of Mallrats love. A lot of, lot of, yeah, a lot of Mallrats love and also Slither love, but well, he's great. always going to be Rowdy Burns for me from Days of Thunder. Okay. Um, clearly not enough people have seen um, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, like which was his debut thing, but that that's a, that's a fantastic thriller. Uh, like a Really gritty, really, really dark, but he's absolutely terrific in it. And, uh, hmm. one does... Rooker's got a lot of credits, guys, by the way. Yeah. He does. A lot of TV I, also. I, I still love Mallrats. I think that's his... Uh, to me, that's just a standout. It, it, he's, just, he's just so, like, over-the-top and... Uh, I mean, he, he's kind of an over-the-top over character in general, but uh, there's, just, there's just something about the way he plays that overprotective father who's... Uh, involved in the shenanigans in that movie. It just, I, 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 I've always liked that. Nice. I like him as a, what the hell am I doing here in super? I, th I think that worked out well. As oh well. yeah. As Abe. Yeah. He does play Abe. You're right. <laughs> His character's name is Abe. Yeah. But it's like, he just like, cause that's, you know, it's a James Gunn film. It's out there slither. And it's like, I feel like he just hired him on just to like have Michael Rooker around, but he has like no role except like a henchman. <laughs> like yeah, he's henchman with like he's like practical henchman because he's just like you know he actually figures things out ahead of Kevin Bacon. So anyway, so next question we have: What songs would you want to see in a future Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack? Uh, Chris writes: The Pixies, This Monkey's Gone to Heaven, uh, Staying Alive, Baby Groot could rock that tune. <laughs> uh, Manish writes: Some Donna Summer Love would be awesome, or Madonna. And Jason adds: Would love some Bon Jovi or the Eagles. I don't want any of that. <laughs> Bonnie Tyler, I need a hero. Oh, there you go. That's a good one. That'd be great. <laughs> That'd be a great sequence if they if they pull it off. I'd like some Queen, some yeah, Zeppelin. I'd like some Elton John. Elton sure. John, sure. I like that. There's a number yeah. of things that could work for that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, last question we asked everybody: uh, What is your favorite Kurt Russell movie? Rebecca writes: Got to be Escape from New York. <laughs> Tony has Bone Tomahawk. 
Dennis has Tombstone. Tammy writes Miracle. Ruben has Big Trouble in Little China. Jay writes The Thing or Escape from New York. Anything with the awful Big Trouble in Little China, really. I'm sorry, anything but the awful Big Trouble in Little China. Chris has oh, The Jay's Thing. Jay's throwing fighting words down for not like I know, Jay. Yeah. We got to have, have some words there. Chris writes The Thing and Tombstone, another fine mustache. Jackie has Tombstone, of course, with Sam Elliott. Manish has The Hateful Eight. Jackie has Captain Run. Matthew Heck has yeah. <laughs> Matthew has Tombstone. And lastly, Evan writes Breakdown is pretty good. Breakdown is a solid underrated thriller. Uh, that's sure. A, from yeah. like Jonathan, Jonathan Mostow, who directed a T3. Also an underrated yeah. movie as far as just a fun, <laughs> especially compared to these recent Terminator movies. It's like, Definitely. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Um, Kurt, I big trouble, Kurt, Little China. No, yeah, com- China no contest, is, no competition. Makes, yeah, that, that's my that's my pick. I mean, my, yeah. my, mine would be the thing. Yeah, um, I'm sorry, the thing is the right answer. Oh, <laughs> uh, two on two here. Uh, right. I mean, but but Tombstone is obviously incredible. Um, I would as far as like acting performances go from Russell, and he's you know he's good in these in these Carpenter movies for sure. But I think it just some more kind of offbeat one, not, not necessarily offbeat like Miracles. I think more people know, but um, Dark Blue. Um, where he plays like a corrupt, plays the, the cop, a corrupt right? LA yeah. cop. Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. That, that was like the Shield, the movie when the Shield like had first started. That's a solid right. role he's in. Like the movie's fine. It's it's a good movie, but it's not a great movie. But he's really good in it. Like that. That's like yeah. that's the kind of role where it's like I, I I'd like to see more of. You know, Kurt Russell now is a lot of like he's not necessarily playing off of his his identity, but it's certainly you know he's getting by <laughs> on his charisma. Where I'd like to see him actually like kind of dig into deeper on some roles. And I think that was one where like it really gave him a chance to do something there. I feel like used cars need some love. Yeah, that's a good used one. cars. Wow, that's a pull. Computer wore tennis shoes. <laughs> Fox and sure. the Hound. You know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's Tango and Cash. <laughs> we got a Tango. We got a Tango and Cash Soldier. reunion. Soldier. Now we're just naming like obscure movies. Let's uh, right. let's get to some questions you guys asked us. Uh, Alessandra asks, which Guardians character do you think sustained his or her own spinoff movie? Uh, my answer is obviously the guy with the eyebrows in the first movie. Um, uh, what, what do you guys think? Um, I definitely think that Rocket and, and Groot could sustain their own movie. Drax, yeah, but at the same time, like he's kind of a drier character. But definitely Rocket and, and Groot. Yeah, Rocket and Groot is the obvious one. Be like a maybe a, maybe a Golden Girls style sequel with uh, Thanos Girls, where it's just uh, Nebula <laughs> sure. and Gamora running around. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> or no i guess the uh, and shirley maybe make more sense they can they can like skip skip on the sidewalk together the drink milk and pepsi they <laughs> milk and pepsi together oh gross maybe a maybe a prequel with john c Riley and peter serafinowitz yeah that's part of nova Corps. that would work yeah. abc's nova Corps. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, don't give him ideas. All right. Next question we asked. Uh, next question that Chris asked everybody here today. Chris asks, "Do you think that Infinity War might just be too big? So many big characters trying to fit on one screen." I mean, it's certainly an unprecedented type of thing, as far as it's, and especially given the the casts of these movies. It's one thing to have a lot of characters and try to make it, you know, like something like the Harry Potter would be a good example of like having, you know, an, an amalgamation of characters after so much time has passed with a lot of these movies that set it set up like the final end and everything. This is like yeah, various franchises crossing or you know within the same universe all crossing together and have all these big name actors in these movies, and you know we haven't seen much like that before aside from maybe I don't know disaster movies that have like a bunch of people in them. So right. it's 
something to anticipate and also have, I guess, a mild trepidation about just because of the idea of, yeah, kind of handling all of this. I would say because of how, I think how much we've embraced these Marvel movies and how much the audience has already kind of bought into what they're doing, I think they're willing to accept something that's this large. And if a movie is able to, if the next Avengers is able to pull it off, I mean, great job. And given how the, you know, the track record on these things, I more than likely think I'll at the very least be fairly satisfied with what they come up with in terms of bringing all of these people together. Yeah. My answer is simpler, which is, uh, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll know when we find out. I say no, because I, I think despite what they're saying, I think that the two movies are going to be more connected, meaning Infinity War and whatever they're going to call this fourth one are going to be more of one larger narrative than they're leading on to be. I, I don't buy the whole nope, they're two separate movies, two separate stories that are going to you know lead into each other. I think they're going to be way more connected. So I think there's going to be some division where I think you're going to see, even though everyone is going to be in Infinity War, I think there are going to be a set of characters that are going to be more focused for one movie versus the other. So, hmm. yeah, I read that leaked script where it's, it's, you know, it's T- Tony and everybody, they go somewhere and then the guardians come in. It's like, doc, we have to go back to 1955. <laughs> <laughs> and it cuts off right there. There's a gray sports almanac in that one too. Yeah. 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 Sure. <laughs> like that. Um, next question we have, uh, this one's from Jason random. Uh, do you think a Creed two will happen? Maybe. Um, I believe, I but believe it's, there's where, both, where there's supposed to be, uh, well, I mean, there's, I mean, he's a boxer. He's got to come, keep coming. <laughs> I'll say this. <laughs> I mean, we have six Rockies and a spinoff. So no, I wouldn't be surprised if there's another Creed movie. Creed was a big hit, um, in a variety of ways. I know, uh, or we know that uh, uh, Ryan Coogler, who's doing Black Panther now, he's not. He wouldn't be in, he'd be involved in maybe like a producer level at most. Um, but I, I won't be surprised if they continue on with the Rocky franchise in some capacity of having more Creed. So yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I, I mean, if it's good, I, yeah. So I'd like to because I like the Rocky movies. I like Creed a lot, and even if Coogler's not necessarily involved, I do think there's a lot of potential to keep going with that. I, it's very easy for me to get behind boxing films. Especially ones, you know, characters I already like and what have you. So that's true. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the unpopular opinion and say no. And the <laughs> reason the reason is like Creed was in my top three, definitely top five, but probably top three movies of twenty fifteen. I think it was vastly underrated. Uh, I think it was was excellent in many ways. And to me, like because we've had so many Rocky movies and we see kind of where things go the fact that we have this movie that is almost perfect that could just kind of live on its own. I, I just don't want something to come in and, and spoil that. Cause I, I think that movie is, is just something, something special. I, answer, uh, I, I mean, Creed was in my top 10 as well. And yeah, I, any sequel to Creed, I will, ex- I will expect not to be as satisfied with compared to this one. I mean, I was always all in for Creed when it was coming just because of how much I liked, um, Fruitvale station. I like Michael B. Jordan and everything. So it's like the, and you know, the, the idea of what Creed was doing, I thought was so clever and it worked out so well. So it worked out very well. It could have gone so wrong. It could have just been so like, so bad. And the fact that it was, it was as good as it was, is just like, to me, part of why I think I enjoyed it as much as I did. I wouldn't call myself a big Rocky fan. And I just, I loved Creed so much. There you go. 
I was right. one of the early doubters of Creed, and I was I had to eat my words. All right, well, that's how you do that. Now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Let's uh, let's move on now, guys. Let's get to uh, what a uh, hey, what what time is it? Oh, Aaron, I think it might be time for uh, a quick game or two. Let him know in fact that's actually Rocket Raccoon's ringtone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is, and that of course is the improv theme for games. Uh, Abe, do you have a game for us this week? I actually have two. They go by very quickly. Uh, one of them is called. First one that we're going to play is called "Calling Your Bluff." First things first, I'm going to ask you guys a question, open ended, and uh, each of you will kind of figure out how many you can name of that. And if you feel like somebody is is naming more than you think that they can actually name, then you can call their bluff. Or if you just have more answers than the other person, then you can win. That sounds very convoluted. Mm-hmm. Essentially, I'll ask you a question. Think of how many you can name of that question. And if somebody feels like they're you're falsely advertising yourself, they can call your bluff. Does that sort of make sense? Let's try this out. Uh, first question here, only three in this one. How many comic book movies can you name that won Academy Awards? Huh. Huh. Mm. Damn. The movie, the movie itself, or someone or something associated with it winning? No, the movie, the movie itself. itself. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, damn. I will. Hmm. I'm. Damn. I'm gonna. I'll say. I'll start with three. How about that? I feels like you. You actually know three though. So, can anyone beat three? I cannot. I mean, uh, yeah. I don't think I can. But. All right. Well, let's see it, Aaron. I'll say four. Whoa, that doesn't sound like you're very confident, but uh, since you are the high number here. I'm trying to think if I can go higher. <laughs> I'm really you, trying to yeah, think can you some... match him, Aaron, or I'm are you going to call think... him? No, go for it, Brad. You... Let's go, Brad. What's your four? Dick Tracy. Yep. See, I had the that Dark... too. Yeah. The Dark Knight, yep. Batman. Yep. And, see, I'm not sure if this one's going to count, but I think it will because it is a comic book movie, even though it's not a comic movie that you think of, and Men in Black. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I'm counting yeah, that. Yeah, that counts, yeah. Yes, I did it! There you go. Other answers I would have accepted with Suicide Squad. Oh, uh, yeah, Spider-Man 2 and Superman. See, I wasn't sure if Superman, I kept thinking Superman, I wasn't sure if Superman won anything. It's it score, did. right? It was visual effects. Visual effects. Oh, visual yeah. effects. 78, yeah, 78 Superman. Yeah. All right, so Bradford, you get that one there. Good job. Uh, next question here. Uh, how many actors or actresses can you name that have been in both Marvel and DC properties? Uh, two. Only two? Okay, all right. I like that so- that safe bet. Well, I'm thinking that right now. I'll come back to you if I get one more. <laughs> Marvel and DC. Hmm. I'm at two as well. Okay. Brad? Uh, ooh, tough. I feel like you could say like twelve of them. <laughs> <laughs> Who are these other ones that you're like so amped up on? I'm like trying to think. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm just trying to clear my head and think of. Oh, I've got three. Boom. 
leading scorer is three, somebody can call him or beat it. No, I don't think I can do it. You can't do you can't do more than three. Okay, all right. So let's go. Russell three. Josh Brolin. Yes. Oh, did you say actors or actresses? Yeah, I, said oh, I just heard actresses. actresses. Oh no, actors and actresses that oh, have been, okay. been both Marvel and DC properties. All right, go. <laughs> all right, Josh Brolin. Yep. Ryan Reynolds. Uh, yep. And this this may be kind of a cheat, but I think he's been listed in the credits. So Taika Waititi, because I think I he actually has a role in Thor Ragnarok. And he, of course, was in Green Lantern. Uh, I'm not sure about that, that one. That would count. I mean, he's, he's in but Thor I, Ragnarok and he's I'm in Green Lantern. That. Sure, yeah. Other answers I would have uh, I would have accepted, which Aaron, how many, now that you've clarified the question, Russell, you won that one, but did you have an updated answer, Aaron? Well, if it was just actresses, I was thinking Halle Berry and Rebecca Romaine. Oh, good one. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Good one. Now that there's actors in play, now you can probably think of 12. I mean, if I, including I Ben already, Affleck, yeah, ben, yeah, James Marsden, yeah, Ryan Reynolds, Chris Evans, Idris Elba. Oh, that's right, Chris Evans was in the Losers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. no, yeah. See, this, uh, like, if it was that, I thought you just said actresses. So yeah, I had tons. Yeah. He had actors in there. Yeah, yeah. Lawrence Fishburne. I, I didn't realize he was the voice of the Silver Surfer. Yeah, they, they uh, recast yeah. Doug Jones for that. Right. Uh, Jaimon Hansu. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, Ned Beatty. And Tim Robbins, Tommy Lee Jones. What's Ned? And, yes. What's Ned Beatty in? Ned Beatty was in Superman. He's in Superman, and but what's he in? In what? The he was in like in the nineteen nineties Captain America. Oh, oh, oh my gosh! Yeah, I wouldn't have got that. So, you say Michael Keaton? Michael Keaton? No, I didn't. Yeah, Michael Keaton's an obvious one too. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have him on the list there. But Holly Berry, yeah, definitely. Anyhow, uh, last one here. Uh, for this particular game, the next one goes by very quickly. Uh, from the film incarnation, how many characters' names, not code names, can you name from the Suicide Squad? Oh, I'm not asking Character for names? like, yeah, like the, like you know, like uh, let's say, like Amanda Waller. She doesn't have a code name, but Amanda Waller is her character's name, right? So instead so the, of saying so the, Deadshot, what is Deadshot's character name? So they're from they're, that? they're regular names. They're sure, yeah, they're regular names. They're so given how many, how many names. Yeah, they're given names in the in that universe. Um, two. Yeah, it doesn't it, two. doesn't it doesn't help when you choose the movie I liked the least last year. <laughs> I'm like, I'm uh, uh, else? Characters uh, that I care the least about. Um, I uh, I I have three. No, f- four. I think four. It's a lot. All right, let's hear it. Harleen Quinzel. Yes, that's correct. Floyd Lawton. Yep. That's what it is. Uh, Rick Flagg. Yep. Um, and um, uh, Digger Harkness. Yeah. Is that sure. Boomerang? That, boomerang. That is Captain Boomerang. There Captain you go, Russell. Boomerang. So uh, on that, Russell, you are the winner of Calling Your Bluff. The next one is very quickly uh, on a scale of. And uh, on, <laughs> on the Rotten Tomatoes scale... I'm going to read a movie, and you tell me what you think the Rotten Tomatoes scale gives it. And these are all comic book movies. So here we go. Catwoman. Aaron? Holly Berry's Catwoman, I should add. What, this, what the, the percentage is? Yeah, the Rotten Tomatoes percentage. Um, 12. Okay. Uh, Russ? 17. And Bradford? $1, Abe. One dollar. Bradford, you are the closest. It is eight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Next one here, Green Lantern. Aaron? Uh, I think that was higher. I'll go like 36. 36. Russ? 28. 28. And Bradford? $1. $1. You are closest, Russ. It is 26. Hmm. Uh, the Losers. Aaron? Oh, I like The Losers. I'm going to be disappointed in this. I love this. The Losers. <laughs> be disappointed so in this much. answer. Um... I'll go slightly higher and say 38. <laughs> Russell? 65. B5 and uh, uh, Bradford? 45. B5. Bradford, you are the closest. It is 49. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, that hurts my heart. Makes me happy. Well, it's, it's higher than I thought, so I'm happier. Yeah. Uh, Constantine. Aaron? 59. 59. And Russell? 42. To and Bradford, forty-seven. Forty-seven. Bradford, you are the closest. It is forty-six. Mm, wow. Next one here, Electra. Aaron. Oh, this has got to be low. Um, six. Six. Nine. Nine. And Bradford. Uh, four. Four. You are the closest, Russell. It is ten. <laughs> Next one here, Swamp Thing. Aaron. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> swamp thing. Forty. Forty. Uh, Russell. Fifty. Fifty. And Bradford. Thirty. Thirty. Russell, you're the closest. It is forty-six. Ooh. What Russell say? He 50. said fifty. Oh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Next I one nose. <laughs> no, no, right. Yeah. Uh, next one here, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Oh, Aaron. oh God. Um, <laughs> 12. 12. Uh, 15. 15. And Bradford? 23. 23. Aaron, you hit it on the head. It is 12. Nice. Okay. Nice. <laughs> next one here, Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance. Aaron? 17. Okay. And uh, Russell? 21. 21. Ooh, lucky. And uh, Bradford? 10. 10. Aaron, again, you hit on the head. It is 17. Nice. Dang. Late game surge. Well, yeah. <laughs> Two more here. Jonah Hex. Aaron? Fun fact. Saw Jonah Hex in Toy Story 3 because they both came out on the same day. On the same day. <laughs> that was a double feature <laughs> to die for. Um, uh, it's Jonah Hex. Um... I'm sh- there are good reviews for this movie. Let's keep that in mind because it's not zero. <laughs> that means there's some people who are like, you know what? That wasn't bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> not as low as Catwoman. <laughs> um, 11. 11. Russell? Uh, 25. 25. And Bradford? 5. 5. Aaron, you are closest. It is 12. Oh, I almost said 12 again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Last one here. Blade Trinity. Uh, Aaron. This is depressing watching this one. Uh, 28. 28. Russell? 30. 30. And Bradford? 33. 33. Person who came closest would be Aaron when it was 25. Okay. So Aaron. Man, Aaron, that late game surge actually puts you over the top on this. Russell and Bradford tied at 3-3. Nice. You came in and answered the last four as correct man so aaron you won that game so anyway 
uh, slow bag here, but that was games. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Abe. Yeah, you're welcome. That worked. <laughs> worked. <laughs> I like that. Uh, games. The, the liar's dice game you play where that, that's fun. Calling your bluff? Yeah. yeah. Especially with that topic. There's a lot of good things to do there. All right. <laughs> let's move on now. Let's uh, let's move. Let's get to Out Now presents what's out now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray or DVD this week. Uh, we have a few things here. First up, Fifty Shades Darker. Uh, I didn't see it, but I didn't hear it was that good. Probably pretty low on that Rotten Tomatoes game. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, next up, Orange is the New Black Season 4. Heard good things about the series in general. Um, next up, actually, uh, Brad and I, we saw this together on, on, a, in a, on a big screen. It's Heat Director's Definitive Edition. Ooh. Huzzah! Yeah. Uh, nice. This, this is the, uh, there's like a new like 4K scan of the film. And it's now on Blu-ray, so it looks and sounds better than ever. Oh, um, but... I'm so waiting for the 4K UHD on this one. I'm surprised they only released this on Blu-ray. Like, I'm surprised they didn't like do a co-release of this and the 4K edition. Like that. Yeah, me, me too. <laughs> me too. But um, yeah. So that's coming out. And yeah, like, cause he he's a favorite movie of mine, and it's it's, it's such a it, it's one it, of the best shootouts of all time. It, it really does. But like the. Yeah. That was like that zone where McMahon wants to do a lot of things that he does now because he has digital cameras. And so there's some night scenes that, you know, they look fi- they look fine, but like you can tell there's an ambition there that he can't quite hit. And this one, this brings it really close in some of those scenes as far as what he's trying to do, given the new transfer of the movie. Like it does, it, it's, it's, it looks fantastic. <laughs> um, but let's see, next up, uh, Divorce Season 1. This is that HBO show of Sarah Jessica Parker and Thomas Hayden Church. Uh, I think I've heard mixed reviews on it. It's a Thomas Hayden Church is really good in that show. <laughs> he's really, yeah. he's like really soft in it. Um, let's see now. What else? Um, from uh, from Shout and Scream Factory this week, Serial Mom, the John Waters film with Kathleen Turner. Haven't heard of it. It's a random one, but it's on <laughs> Shout and uh, Scream Factory this week. And the Psycho remake from Gus Van Sant is now uh, available on Blu-ray with, as well. Uh, with Vince Vaughn as Norman Bates. Yeah. Eh, okay. It's a terrible thing. It's a terrible, terrible <laughs> thing. The, the shot by shot remake yeah. of the original that no one was asking for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a, yeah. If yeah, anyone yeah. wants to punk down money for that one, all right, let's move on from there. That was out now. What's out now? Let's go on to extremely cool. These are things that are now on Netflix that we can recommend or mention in some way. Uh, let's see. First up, uh, Norm Macdonald, Hitler's Dog, Gossip and Trickery. So it's a new comedy special for, with Norm, Norm Macdonald. Um, nice. So that's coming out uh, this week. Um, also, Handsome, a Netflix mystery movie. This is uh, Jeff Garland. Jeff, Garland. Jeff yeah. Garland's film. Who this is like his third directorial uh, feature, I believe. And this is it's a Netflix release, and uh, I'm curious about it because I like Jeff Garland in general. Yeah, same here. So I. Uh, uh, by the way, Amazon Prime streaming, uh, Manchester by the Sea. Yep, that was my next thing. Manchester by the Sea is also now streaming on Amazon. Yeah. Um, so you know if you want to be really worried about fireplaces and um you know see the acclaimed <laughs> oscar winner yeah that's it you can you can now get on that i didn't realize that was a way to you to promote the movie yeah. <laughs> um and i saw this other thing i didn't get to see this movie but i i, I like almost did so i wanted to mention it because I, I still want to see it it's called hunter gatherer and it has andre royal you know bubbles from the wire oops uh, oh yeah, wow yeah um i'm not quite sure what it's about i didn't look into it but i was, I, I can't because i can't really remember what the synopsis that's a good title, was though. But yeah, Hunter Gatherer with Andrew. It just seems like I'm probably going to check it out. I'll probably mention it at some point uh, in the near okay. future. So. All right. 
that's all that. That's extremely cool. Let's move on to ne- ne- or next week's show. Next week, we're talking about King Arthur. Guy Ritchie's King Arthur with Charlie Hunnam. It's never a good sign when you start using Twitter tweets in your promotions. Well, we'll see how it goes. I've been, see, hearing, I, I, I've been hearing different things. They've been screening it a lot, and uh, I've been hearing a lot of... I saw it. What, what? I saw it. Yeah? Is embargo yeah. up? Can you talk about it? Oh, I, I didn't go to a press screening, so I can talk about whatever the hell I want to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it's it's better than I thought it would be, um, but it's still not... It's it's like if Guy Ritchie directed Thor, um, but it's it's pretty messy narrative-wise. Um, it's, it has a Suicide Squad problem where the villain basically creates his own problem when he didn't really need to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like if he would have just let things play out and not meddled with anything, he'd have been okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it kind of feels like they turned a King Arthur movie into a Guy Ritchie movie, as opposed to letting Guy Ritchie direct a King Arthur movie. Mm. That the, right. I mean, you say that in a negative, but that sounds intriguing to me. They they turned King Arthur into a Guy Ritchie movie. I, I kind of like I I like the idea of that. No, I mean they, they do. There, there are some interesting things that are have have Guy Ritchie's like style to it, but it's 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 not enough to make it all that compelling or interesting. I I enjoyed watching it, but I wouldn't go out of my way to see it again, and I wouldn't recommend people see it in theaters. All right. Um. So let's move on to our last thing here. What should people go and see, and what do you? Or yeah, what should people go and see now? And what do you plan to see next? Uh, Russell, what should people go and see in theaters right now? Um. Obviously, Guardians of the Galaxy. I even though I haven't seen it yet, I would say uh, Fate of the Furious, just because it's big dumb fun. Uh, and that the next movie I plan on seeing will probably be Alien Covenant, which I'm not hearing great things about, which saddens me. <laughs> uh, Brad, how about you? What do you what do you what do people go and see in theaters right now? Yeah, obviously you should see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 in IMAX 3D. Um, I think that people should also give Slight a chance because it's kind of a cool little indie movie, which is kind of like a superhero movie in its own way. Um, it's like it's like an indie version of Spider-Man, kind of. Um, it's Yeah, I, I enjoy it. I saw it at Sundance last year, not even this year. Um, and then the next thing I'm going to see is I don't know if I'm excited about it, but more so cautiously optimistic. I'm going to see Snatched this week. Snatched? Yeah. Okay. I, w- I wasn't sure if there was like an ED there. He's on a Guy Ritchie uh, kick. He's going to watch Snatched. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, that movie came out a while ago. But... No, no, no. Amy Schumer movie with Goldie Hawn. Right. <laughs> um, gotta definitely recommend Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and King Arthur Legend of the Sword is what I'm seeing next. Yeah, Guardians, obviously, if you want to have just a good fun time. Um, and I'll stick with on the uh, on the smaller scale of things i'm still staying lost city of z and colossal are films that i nice. really want more people to see because they're uh, really quite good and yeah king arthur will be the the next thing charlie hunnam is also in lost city z right yeah, it's gonna be a it's a it's a good year for charlie hunnam <laughs> let's see <laughs> but uh, he's great in the lost city of z i will be he gets to be english in king arthur so i look forward to that because it'll probably work out well um, but yeah uh, we'll see how all right goes. Uh, so yeah, that with all that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. You can find all my written movie reviews. You can also find me over on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? Follow me on Instagram, Oakley Doakley, and Twitter.com slash Warlesmoose. Hashtag Ameripoppins, y'all. 
<laughs> Russell Latham, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, just search for uh, It's All Connected, uh, The Walking Dead TV podcast, or um, a new podcast, newish podcast I'm doing with Daryl Taylor uh, over on his network called uh, Gotham by Geeks, which we talk about all stuff Batman. Nice. And somehow Daryl doesn't want me to have him on any of these podcasts. I don't understand. <laughs> I'd be all about this. Bradford, where can people find more of your work online? You can find me at SlashFilm.com where I write under the pseudonym Ethan Anderton. You can also find me on Twitter at Ethan underscore Anderton. And if you like chatter about movies and playing movie games and uh, incessant joking and busting of chops. I co-host a podcast called Go Flix Yourself, F-L-I-X, which is available on iTunes and SoundCloud and all that jazz. Very cool. I know you guys have been churning out episodes lately. So, uh, yeah, we have. We finally got back into like a regular groove. Cool. Yeah, nice. yeah you can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes as well as on Audioboom. You can listen to our old stuff over at IJHWLED, Podomatic, and, and SoundCloud. Feel free to email us any thoughts you may have had on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 or anything else we discussed today over at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Interact with us over at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or tweet us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And of course, there's our Tumblr page where people actually apparently wanted to you know, do things. <laughs> yeah, they actually have some stuff yeah. there. <laughs> so send us plenty of gifts and more at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. Thanks. Uh, Brad, Russell, thank you for uh, hanging out with us and talking yeah, Guardians Thank you today. both for chatting with us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for having me too. For sure, and uh, yeah, that's gonna it's gonna do it until the uh, the Legend of the Sword takes place next week. So uh, until that time, so long. And goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. stand on whether deep dish pizza is pizza uh i think it is pizza but i prefer so it's it's funny because i people think chicago style pizza is deep dish and really it's not, it's not. that that i mean it's it's kind of become that for people outside of chicago but yeah but inside chicago chicago pizza is the thin it's almost like a cracker crust they cut it into squares you know it's, yeah. it's a round pizza that they cut uh-huh. you know, and it's it's in squares um and that, to me, is always Chicago pizza. I've been brainwashed by the national media yeah. <laughs> in thinking that deep dish is like the signature Chicago pizza. But I mean, it's it's, it's definitely a signature pizza, but sure. but.
but yeah, he, but yeah, Russ is right. There's the, that, the square cut thin crust pizza is also a extremely popular Chicago style pizza. By the way, this is our spinoff podcast of Aaron Abe's food stuff. Well, eat now. <laughs>